Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. In a hyper-individualistic society, it's easy to find answers in isolation and develop definitions for scriptural truths on our own. But have you ever thought about how you know what you know and whether it's correct? In this week's episode, Francis Chan reminds us of humility in the church and how submission to authority is vital for unity in the body of Christ. We pray that this message will help you find encouragement and a deeper understanding of your place in the local church. And stay tuned after today's teaching for an update from Francis on the 100 Cities Training, a new initiative from Crazy Love, YWAM Kona, Antioch Movement, and Upper Room to train and equip young leaders to plant churches in the 100 most unreached cities in the U.S. We're currently accepting applications now through September 3rd for the fall cohort, so we encourage you to go to 100cities.org for more information. That's H-U-N dredcities.org. See, one of the lessons, I, one of the few lessons I learned in seminary was, was one of the first ones where there was this word, big word called epistemology. It's a theory of knowledge. Like, how do you know something to be true? And you start wondering, how do I know? Well, I studied a lot, but it depends on who you study. You know? And, and you, you go, well, I, I studied what this guy wrote. Well, now you're betting that that guy was right. And you just start wondering, wait, wait a second, how do I know I'm right? Is, is it intellect? When you read the Word of God, does it show that the person who is most intellectual will arrive at the truth? Well, then we got to figure out, well, who's closer to the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit guides you into all truth. So now it's, well, who's closer to the Holy Spirit? Tears our eye. And is that the determining factor? But God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So I think I'm right because I'm more humble than you are. And God's given me grace to find truth and not you because you're cocky, Tirza. You think your name's so cool. You know, it's just all of this. You start going, well, wait a second. Why am I right? Is it because I'm more intelligent? Is it more because I'm closer to the Spirit? Is it because I'm more humble? And I, I start thinking about all these things, and then I start realizing, wow, in Scripture, it talks about the elders of the church. So what, what blows me away is this has happened so many times. Let's say a girl like Tirza is at our church, and let's say you're part of our church, and, and we have elders at our church, and you know, like the Bible tells us to appoint elders in every city, and they're really that, they, they were to govern the church. And so you, there's qualifications in First Timothy 3 and Titus, like these are the qualifications of an elder. So we'll have a group of elders that get together and make decisions. And so Tirza then would be under this 
council of elders, godly leaders, qualified leaders. But this happens so often where suddenly, let's say the elders see sin in Tirza's life. And we go, Tirza, like, gosh, I don't know. You know, you're working at Chick-fil-A and you take money from the register every day and you pretend you, you know, sold them nuggets and you really didn't and you just pocketed it. You know, whatever, okay. But what we're going, that's, that's clearly sin. So often, we see people like that go, you guys are wrong. An 18-year-old will look at a group of six 50-year-olds and go, you guys are all wrong. I'm right. I'm going to do my own thing. I hate the church. Like we value our own opinion. And I go, gosh, that is so crazy because if the elders together said that I was wrong, I would really listen to that. Because I know these guys, I know their lives, and they're all in agreement that I'm the one that's weird. I'm the one that's in sin. But meanwhile, we have teenagers that would look at that group of guys and go, you're all wrong, I'm right. And you never stop to think, why do you think you're right? Because you think you are? Why do you think you are? You're more intelligent, more life experience. See, I've come to this point in life now where I don't trust myself in an office by myself with a computer to study the Word of God and come up with truth in isolation. I used to, but now if I read the scriptures and I come up with something that I think is true, I run it by those elders because I feel safer with a group together of older leaders. But now, once we as elders agree on something, I encourage them to look at church history. I go, because we are one group of guys in the year 2022. What did people believe for the last 2,000 years? What did people believe during those first thousand years before the church split? Before there were two churches? When the church was one, what did they believe? We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. And now we start to study because we go, wow, number one, I don't just believe whatever I think and whatever I study and figured out in my office. I feel safer with the elders because we're all doing it together. And I feel even safer if I agree with the church fathers And we as elders agree with all those church fathers who all believe the same things 
and many of them even died for their faith. And the church that believed the same thing for a thousand years, I'm just, I'd rather bet on them than one guy who's telling me they're all wrong. So my, my thinking has really changed over the years. And I realized growing up in America where it's all about individualism and everyone's entitled to their own opinion and everyone's free to just start their own church and come up with their own theology got us to a place where now there's thousands of denominations. But what I love about this is just even the last month, God's been humbling the church. And while there's so many things that I feel are getting so screwy in the world, and, you know, that's why the Bible says don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, okay, by the renewing of your mind. Like, don't just live. See, now I'm weird. I've been married 28 years to one person. That's weird. So now I'm the weird one. I was born male, and I stayed male. That's crazy, huh? And I only like women. I know. It, it's weird now. And I, my logic looks biologically. I go, I think one man and one woman is right. People would look at me, the majority, and go, wow, you are weird. And I'm like, no, look at history. We're, we're getting weird now. I think we are the ones that are getting weird. But we don't see it. <coughs> but I'm actually really glad I lived during this time. Because I think that there's a young generation that's why we have gatherings like this. Is the hope is not that some old guy like me, or even older like KP, or even older like George Verwer, um, that they're going to change the world. You know, we're just hoping to walk tomorrow. You know, it, it's about us pouring into you and, and your imagination and getting you to think. You know, is it weird that Moses' face glowed? Or is it weird that yours doesn't? Think about it biblically. What did we learn last night? Don't just accept the norm. What is weird? That Moses' experiences were so extreme or that yours are so subdued? What is weird? We want you to think, is it weird that there used to be one church? And for a thousand years, there was one church. Or is it weird that we've accepted the fact that there's 30,000 denominations? What's right? Like, I wish I was your age. 
and could get this and think. Some of you can dream. I believe in your lifetime the church is going to come back together. I'm hoping that it happens in mine. And I think it's starting to happen now. I mean, who really wants to be called Southern Baptist right now? Those of you who are Southern Baptist, do you like being called Southern Baptist? Don't you just want to be a Christian? Those of you who are called Presbyterian, do you even know what that means anymore? Do you like being called Evangelical? Do you like being called a white evangelical? Do you like being called Hillsong Church? Do you like being called Roman Catholic? We don't even like it ourselves. And I think there's a whole generation that goes, I just want to be one with the people who believe that the, that the God Almighty sent His Son. I mean, do you understand how fascinating that is that there's this holy God in heaven that we can't even look at and, and He so loved human beings that He had His Son take the form of a man and die on a cross paint for all of my sins. And then he rose from the grave and ascended into heaven far above all rule, authority, and power, and dominion. And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in, in, the, in the age to come. And I just want to fall at his feet and go, I want you as my king. And I want to fall on my face with other people. Did I say fall on my feet? I mean, like fall on my knees, fall on my face. And I just want to be with everyone who believes that. And all of us just tremble at his sight. Come to one table where we remember his body, break one piece of bread and be one body, one cup together with all the saints of all time. And you start reading Scripture and you go, wow, this was God's desire. And that's the desire of my heart. And for the first time in my life, I'm beginning to imagine it and believe it could happen in my lifetime. And I look at the miracles that God has done in this book and I used to just think the church will never come together. Didn't even dream of it. And now I'm going, wait, this was Jesus' prayer. John 17, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory, listen to this, the glory, this is Jesus saying this, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. 
I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Jesus says he gave us his glory so that we could be perfectly one. So that a 55-year-old grandpa and 18-year-old Tirza are not just bickering about where they're off, but I was given the glory of Christ. You were given God's glory. Why? So that we could become perfectly one, so that the world would believe that Jesus was sent. Look, Jesus promised a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. He promises if you're divided, you won't win. We're not going to win. And so what's happening in the world right now? How does the world look at the church, the Christian church? You understand we're the only ones that are split up into thousands of denominations like this. Okay, Muslims have two or three. We've got thousands. We're the weird ones. And Jesus promised. See, for, for, for years, for me as an evangelical, reformed, I don't know even what I would label myself, just arrogant. Um, <clears throat> man, I just needed to repent of this division and just assuming that it was going to be divided. And I never dreamt of being one. But I do now. And I'm hoping you guys do too. As he promises, when you become one, then the world's going to believe. What I was getting at was, for years, I was obsessed with getting more and more people in the church, in my church. So I started in a house, and okay, that's cute. There's like 20 of us. But I want to be a real church. I want to get a real band. And I want to have a real crowd come listen to me. So I'm going to rent this junior high school cafeteria. And I remember when there was like, 75, 80 people. All right, this is cool. I was just obsessed with getting people in the door. Then suddenly there's hundreds of people. When you get to a bigger place, that's cool. And let's just get more people in the door. That, that was our obsession was just numbers. And so then it's like, okay, we got four or 5,000. Let's start planting other churches because that's just what we do. And then we planted like eight or nine other churches. And then it's like, okay, let's start a school because that's what we do. And let's start a podcast. That's what we do. Let me just write a book. This is just what we do. And now suddenly it's like, I have this following. And I never really thought about unity thought about, it was more of a competition. I'm right, and I want to get more followers to follow me because I'm right. 
I didn't think about oneness. Just like I said, if, if there were two things I could impart to you, one is I want you to imagine the oneness you could have with God, a glory that goes beyond what Moses experienced. It must happen according to 2 Corinthians 3. And the other thing I want you to imagine is a unified church because I tried so many things to get people in the door. But what the Bible says is when you become perfectly one, then the world will believe. Philippians 1 says when you can strive side by side, unafraid, then they will believe in their destruction and your salvation. See, I thought saving the world was me becoming the best communicator on earth and trying to get people and convince them to hear the gospel. And Jesus says, no, the way to get the world to believe is when you become perfectly one, just as the Father and I are perfectly one. And yet most of us, we don't dream of that. We don't think, wait, you're, you're talking about the Father and Son. They've been together forever. They're perfectly, perfectly one. And God says, yeah, and I gave you my glory so that you could have that with your brothers and sisters in the church. And when you become perfectly one, then the Lord's going to add to your numbers daily. That's why I love this season. I really believe the Lord is disciplining his church and all of these factions and all these divisions that we've accepted and all these titles that we've accepted. And he's bringing us back together because my wife and I were talking about, you know, we work with a, a group called YWAM, Youth with a Mission, and, and it's so fun because they're just screaming, they're lifting their chairs over their head, they're, they're, it's just like craziness because they are so fired up and I love it. But I also go, gosh, but they're missing that sacred reverence, that awe, they don't know how to be silent, you know? And then I hear people who teach the word so well and then I go, oh, but I meet these other people that are, are, are hearing from God and they, you know, and these miracles and these, you, you know, like they, they, they're sharing these different gifts and I'm like, oh, I wish I could have that and that and that and that and gosh, it would be kind of nice if the church was one and we weren't just divided in so many things. And suddenly your heart goes, wow, we would be so much stronger together. And just being here, I'm going, gosh, I loved last night. I love the quiet. I love saying the Nicene Creed. I love reading the scriptures together. I love the way we worshiped. I love so much of this. And I go, oh, I just want to expose the world to this. But then I go to other places and I'm going, I really love how they do this. And we live in a unique time. And as 
I really hate the internet in so many ways, there are some benefits. And you start to learn about other people. You see services done a different way. And we have the freedom to travel to places like this and experience something different and go, wow, maybe it's not crazy to look at church history and church tradition and look at what people believed for a thousand years straight when the church was one. And maybe they actually had a better shot because who would God reveal truth to? A united church with one council of leaders or to Francis Chan alone in his office with the newest Bible software? I'm going to bet on those guys more than I bet on myself. And I believe when the church becomes one, that's when it's going to be powerful. I dream of the day when there's one communion table. And I've looked at priests in the eye. I go, you honestly believe that it is the will of God that even though you believe that I am a spirit-filled man of God, you believe that God does not want me at the same communion table as you. And you really believe that it's God's will when you read the scriptures that there are like 30 different communion tables that are mutually exclusive. That's the way God wanted it. I have yet for one priest to go, yeah, I believe that. Now they go, no, you're right. I don't know how to get there. I don't know how we could ever get there. I go, but you want it, huh? You want this. I want this. God wants this. And I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to spend my life fighting for it. One last story that I've done. Um, I wish I could stay longer. I have to go to Europe tomorrow. And it's actually cool because I'm doing a conference. And for the first time, it's like all the denominational leaders of Norway are supporting the young people going to this one gathering and even the Roman Catholics and I've never been to something like this and to teach it something like this I'm going wow this might be the start of what I'm dreaming of um, but anyways I wish I could spend more time with you guys and, and really know you but it's just this is the way our life is Come, come move onto my property. And, uh, but, um, here's the story, okay. My oldest son, Zeke, when he was um, playing Little League, he was in this game. He was like 10 years old, I think. And uh, it was his first or second time ever playing baseball. And he was actually pretty good. And uh, it was 12 to 12. And uh, his buddy hits a single and gets to first base. And now my heart is pumping because my son is up to bat. And I'm like, I'm looking at him at 10 years old. I'm like, you could become a man today. Okay? Your buddy Malachi is on first base. 
you hit this, you win the game. Malachi is the fastest kid on the team. You just get the ball out of the infield and he will get to home base. That's all you got to do. And you're the hero. You know, like, I'm just giving him this pep talk, like, this is going to be awesome. My son is going to win the game. Well, while I'm giving him this pep talk, people are arguing about whether Malachi is safe on first base. And pretty soon, people on the stands are screaming at each other. At a 10-year-old game, F-bombs are being dropped everywhere. F you, F you. They're just... And then the dads start calling each other out to fight. And I'm just like, I'm like deer in the headlights. I didn't know what to do. Because I'm thinking, well, they don't know who I am. I can't go up, hey, I'm Francis Chan. You know, I'm, I'm just at a baseball game. You know, this is a secular game. You know, just... <clears throat> they start... Fist fighting. Parents. The ambulance had to take away one of the dads. The police are there. A guy's leg is broken. Kids are crying. It was so embarrassing. And then they were just going to cancel the league because we only had so many teams and they're like, we don't know what to do. No one wants to... And so I looked at the director, I'm like, look, just give, kick out whoever you need to kick out. And then give me the worst player from every team and I'll make a new team, you know? And so that's what we did and I had a blast coaching. But that day, I went to bed going, because you just feel sick, because you see all these kids crying because their dads are getting beat up. And all of this, it was just, horrible. This is not the way you, you want to... But I, I, I keep reliving that moment because I'm thinking, well, what could I have done? And then I thought, wait a second. Now I am convinced I could have stopped it. I could have if I wanted it bad enough. I mean, what if I ran out to the pitcher's mound and just start rolling around the dirt, throwing it on my face, going, ah, ah, ah. everyone would have stared at me, right? And I would have distracted everyone, and then I could have said, you guys, they are nine years old. Everyone, can we just stop? They're nine. They would have listened to me. I could have got their attention. I could have stopped the fight. But I didn't want to make a fool of myself. I didn't want it bad enough. And so when I look at the church today, I go, I don't know. I'm just going to scream. I'm just going to make some noise. I don't know. It's not like I can call the Pope and Hey, what do you think if you took communion with this guy? Yeah, I mean, I, but I'm going to scream. I'm going to make whatever noise I can. I'm going to appeal to people like you that have your whole life in front of you and go, you know God wants one church. There's no way you can read this book and tell me otherwise. You know it. 
And so I'm just using my voice and getting it into your heads that it doesn't have to be this way. The church is weird right now. We are weird and we can't accept it. Don't tolerate it because God is not happy with it. He wants his bride to become perfectly one and it can happen in our lifetimes. And when we do that, he says, then the world's going to believe. Don't be an individual. You were saved to be a part of the body. Don't be a hand that looks at the eye and goes, you're weird. All you do is see things. No, it's like, no, the body has to come together for us to function properly. And the Spirit gives us that desire. And the Spirit is grieved at the divisions in the church. But this is that generation that can change it. But it starts with us being humble and not thinking we know it all and everyone else is weird and everyone else is wrong. It means coming under church leadership, coming under church history, and going, wow, God, could we get it back to what I read about in the scriptures where no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. Everyone was just caring for one another and there were no needs in the church. And could we get back to one table? So, Father, I ask, you mysteriously put that desire in all of our hearts through your spirit would you give us faith that the church could be one again would you humble us help us to trust your word that a kingdom divided itself against itself will not stand and yet when we are perfectly one as you and your son are one, then the world will believe that Jesus was sent. So Father, would you put that desire in each of these young people's hearts that they would scream, make fools of themselves, do whatever it takes to stop the fighting in the church that we could one day be at one table again here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. So we're about two-thirds of the way through our first uh, 100 Cities Initiative group. The first cohort has just been loving it and I think what's been surprising is the depth of relationship that many of them have never experienced in a, in a church setting. So it gets us excited for them to experience this so they can go out and replicate that. Um, but right now we're, we're taking signups for the fall cohort and we still have spaces available. So I'd encourage you guys to sign up because we just really believe there needs to be a fresh wave of church planting here in the U.S. and that there are people hungry for this. And so if you sense in any way that God is calling you to maybe be a leader or to join with a group of people 
in planting churches and spreading the name of Christ here in the U.S. through the local church, then we'd love to, we'd love to have you apply and talk through if this is a fit for you. For more information or to apply, visit hundredcities.org. That's H-U-N-D-R-E-D cities.org. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. Join us next week for a new episode. But until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org.